You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Monday, June the 12th, another beautiful summer's day here in TW11. There were plenty of winners of note over the weekend, none more so than Archangelo, who won the final leg of the Triple Crown in the United States, thereby making trainer Jenna Antonucci the first female trainer to win a Triple Crown race. Not before time, and a race that warmed the hearts of American race fans. Fox's Michelle Yu will be joining me later in the programme to discuss the significance of that triumph. What happened closer to home? Well, Charlie Appleby looks like he might be on the way back with Royal Ascot round the corner. And he had some notable results at Belmont Park with his American string uh, to boot. There was a very, very striking performance at Goodwood yesterday from a filly called Asifa. She's by Frankel. She's unbeaten. She runs in the Shadwell colours. Angus Gold will be along in a little while to tell us about plans for her, which could include... Royal Ascot, not likely, but possible. And Holly Doyle is looking forward to Royal Ascot. She feels she's rocking and rolling again now after injury interrupted the early part of the season. She's ridden for over 25 different trainers in the last two weeks. Went to Italy yesterday to ride for Stefano Botti. She won the Italian Oaks on Shavasana. But what a difference a day or two days make. On Friday, we broke the news that Frankie Dottori would ride Desert Crown, last year's derby winner at Ascot, replacing Richard Kingscote. Uh, in the Prince of Wales Estates yesterday afternoon, I broke the news that Desert Crown had picked up an injury, albeit a minor one, and would miss the Prince of Wales Estates. David Yates joins me today, a Daily Mirror journalist. David, the Wheel of Fortune has spun uh, even more quickly than it normally does in this sport. It's now five days, just over five days, Nick, since the uh, the Desert Crown gallop. Remember that impressive piece of work last Wednesday morning triggered a wholesale gamble um, on last year's Derby winner for the Prince of Wales Estates. Worked under Ryan Moore, of course, uh, in Newmarket last Wednesday. At that point was a six to one shot for the Prince of Wales Estates on Wednesday week, was then gambled down to two to one favourite. Then, of course, on Friday morning, you broke the story about Frankie Dottori jocking off Richard Kingscutt and then a couple of days on from that, you broke the the next one um, that he was out. So it's um, it, he's he's been the, the the gift that keeps on giving over the last five days. He's certainly given you a couple of decent stories. Um, I the 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 issue I suppose with Desert Crown now is where does this leave us in terms of his short and medium and long term future? Remember that. Um, after he won the derby, we didn't see him again in 2022. Uh, he was off the course for 355 days before his reappearance in the Brigadier Gerard Stakes at Sandown Park at the end of last month. It, 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 they always said last summer, you were again, you were on top of this story uh, all the time when there was um, the, the suggestion was that it, it wasn't a career threatening injury, but it was just the, the the horse isn't ready to come back yet. Um, he does seem to be like the kid who's always in A&E with a saucepan stuck on his head at the moment, doesn't he, Desert Crown? It might not be particularly serious, um, but he's always there sitting in the corner of the waiting room. Um, connections 
this weekend have said it's not career threatening. It's just a, he was lame after exercise this weekend. And with the Prince of Wales' stakes being on Wednesday week, he's not going to be ready. But it does make you wonder this now, doesn't it? I, you know, I think that there, would, there will be a line in the sand, won't there, with Desert Crown when his connections just finally admit, well, look, this is now getting too much trouble uh, with this horse. Let's retire him and let's put him to start. I don't think we're, we're there yet, but I'd suggest that if we're going into the second half of the, the flat racing summer, and obviously the Epsom Classics are behind us now, we only need one more setback, I think, to get very close to that line. And I think two more would probably take us over it. Yeah, I hope it doesn't happen because clearly the vibes are that he's he's just as good now, if not better than than he was last year. So let's hope for a swift recovery for Desert Crown. It does appear likely now that Bay Bridge will take his chance at Royal Ascot. Um, hoping Richard Kingscote retains the ride on on Bay Bridge. I did speak to Sir Michael Stout on Friday morning, and at the at the at that time, he said that uh, Bay Bridge they were they were still mulling over the Prince of Wales Estates and the Coral Eclipse. Now the events of the the last 24 hours would seemingly move um, Bay Bridge into the certain runner category, I would think, at Royal Ascot. For Richard Kingscote, um, I, I think lots of us felt sympathy with him over the jockeying off on Friday. Um, if he were then having been told to move over and and not ride Desert Crown, but to partner Bay Bridge. If he were then to be told, well, sorry, Frankie's going to ride that one now. Um, I think that that would be a uh, a kick in the teeth that uh, he really doesn't deserve. I, I hope that doesn't happen, but we both know how racing and flat racing in particular works. Yeah, I mean, there are sets of connections now who'll be having half a look at that Prince of Wales Estates and thinking, right, is it going to come up short in terms of numbers, even if it's long on quality? And do I need to be in there? One such set might be Shadwell, who've got Hookham, of course, at the moment in the Hardwick. Possibility, if there's rain next week, to slide him into the Prince of Wales. That's one of the themes I explore now with Angus Gold, Shadwell's racing manager, who I begin by asking about a filly who was strikingly impressive yesterday at Goodwood in a listed race there. She's called Alice Seifer. She's unbeaten and she's got the world at her feet, judged on on the manner and style of her victory. That's where we begin our conversation. Obviously, when they're bred like she, she is and they look like she does, you know, you're very hopeful um, that, that they're going to be pretty smart. But... Um, you know, we need. You obviously need to see it on the track first of all, and obviously John was a little bit worried. Uh, at Goodwood, you never quite know how they're going to handle it, and she's quite a rangy filly. But uh, as it turned out, it, it it looked like she handled it pretty well. She did. She she came roaring down the outside and quickened away very very smartly. Um, you mentioned after the race the the Irish Oaks. Um, what what would be the alternative to, to doing something like that? She clearly belongs in top company now. Oh, that's right, Nick. I mean, I think John and I spoke very briefly and, and you know, if we had an extra week on our hands, obviously we'd be thinking Ribblesdale. Um, I'm just assuming that it comes too quick. I, I haven't spoken to him. I mean, if he happened to say she's absolutely bouncing out of the race, well, then... You know, that's another conversation. But if we're going to keep her to three-year-old fillies only, 
Um, I think really the Irish Oaks is the obvious target. And the other thing is the trip. She's won twice at a mile and a quarter, and she had plenty of speed yesterday off what was a slowly run race, Jim felt, um, to, to win like that and to quicken like she did. Again, I've always personally thought she was a mile and a half filly in the making, but I've never ridden her. But he definitely got that impression as well, hence why we were thinking of Ireland. Um, but if we didn't want to go there, we'd, we'd have to look at the programme abroad or obviously take on the older horses here. And excitement about the, the two uh, old boys, the Burroughs boys, Anne Martin and, and Hookham. Uh, how, are they, how are they coming along? Yeah, saw them both on Friday. Um, Anne Mark, first of all, uh, touch wood. He seems to come out of France really well. I know Owen was worried about him. Um, but uh, he, he's come out of it really well on the face of it. So... You know, we, the original thought was to wait and, and look at the eclipse um, and just see whether that's a, an option for him or whether we look for other things. Um, and uh, the Hookham, obviously, he's in um, and was in yesterday's paper, I saw, as the favourite for the Hardwick. Um, there was talk about if there was rain <clears throat> before Ascot and it looked like it was going to be soft ground. Should we be supplementing him for the Prince of Wales? Uh, obviously, I'm sort of pulling that conversation off because I can't see that there's going to be a lot of rain around, but um, I'll leave that to others to decide that bit. Uh, again, you know, we, the midsummer plan with Hookham was always to try and get into the King George VI at Ascot, and the, and the Hardwick initially seemed the obvious place to go. So. We'll just, we'll just see what the weather does the next couple of days and what the forecast is before we go firm on any plans. But, and Mark, you took him out of, uh, out of Ascot, so, so the eclipse for him? I think so. We just thought he'd had a pretty hard race in France and, and Owen just said he's normally a bit shuffly out of his races for a couple of days, so he wasn't going to do anything with him for the next week. Um, so we just sort of took him out to resist the temptation. But uh, as I say, his initial thoughts were he seems to seems to be really good form. So that's a plus. So we'll we'll look at the eclipse, as I say, or unless we decide, you know, to fi- try something else abroad. I've always quietly thought he might stay a bit further, and that I don't know, and we won't know until we try. But it wouldn't amaze me if he didn't go an extra furlong. All right, that's Angus Gold talking about Alice for yesterday. I must confess, Dave, I, I hadn't really taken much stock of the maiden win, just lots going on. And yesterday she went off a very short price favourite and she absolutely danced in. Yeah, it's 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 rare to see horses win that impressively second start in enlisted company, isn't it? I mean, the one thing about Alice for although although you know trainers obviously say, oh, there's no there's no such thing as a as an easy uh, victory at that sort of level. It's a bit like when football people tell you there's no easy games these days, which there patently are. Um, but uh, to those watching the race yesterday, it didn't look as though Al Asifa had much more than an exercise canter really, did it? Um, I don't think that Jim Crowley ever had to uh, apply the whip and, you know, she she won that very, very easily indeed. It's interesting with Hookham. I mean, what I'm going to say now makes me sound like a, a terrible after-time merchant, but the... I, I'm always really mistrustful of those or distrustful of those 
those Gallup's reports. And I, I don't mean any disrespect to the people who write them, but we don't know what weights the horses are carrying. Um, th- those those stories of impressive Gallup's, yes, over the years, there's been the likes of Nashwan and Frankel catching that train. Although, as you said the other day, uh, the, um, the, uh, the, the, the train service between Newmarket and Cambridge isn't always um, uh, serviced by the speediest rolling stock. What did you say that there you'd you'd seen three mile chasers that could outrun that service uh, on occasions um so i rather thought that that gamble on desert crown really opened that up from a betting point of view i, I was looking forward to choosing something behind him in the market there and i suspect that probably trainers would have thought the same it's a it's a belting race isn't it it's a, you know it's we've got some some tried and and uh, trusted group one performers in there and so it's not going to be a soft or an easy race to win uh, just because Desert Crown is out. But if I had been a trainer looking at it beforehand, it might be a few of the others collectively uh, that persuaded me to go elsewhere. Not the fact that there were just reports of this lightning gallop uh, by a horse who days earlier had suffered his first career defeat. Okay, Dave, for the moment, thank you. Belmont Stakes chat in a few moments' time. But more recently, yesterday, Sunday, the Oaks d'Italia. £150,000 to the winner here. The winner was Shavasana, trained by Stefano Botti and ridden for Katsumi Yoshida by British-based rider Holly Doyle on her way home now and uh, is on the line. Holly, Shavasana, what kind of calibre filly do you, do you think she is? What sort of field did she give you yesterday? Yeah, she, um, you know, she. It was a, there was a big question mark there with the trip, but uh, her pedigree does obviously suggest that she should definitely be staying it. It's just... Um, her running style in the past, she's renowned to be a bit bit free. Um, so we didn't really know um, what, what, what she was going to, how she was going to take really to the step up to the, just under a mile and a half. And um, thankfully she stayed. Yeah, it's very difficult for us to kind of get an idea on, on what the forms were. Did it did, did it feel like a good race? Um, well, to be honest, I, I actually ended up having things my own way, to be honest. I, I got quite a soft lead. Um, Stefano Botti, you know, stressed to me that he didn't want me to get into a fight with her. And, um, you know, she's definitely a rhythm horse. So the first kind of half mile is a really long back straight. You run kind of six furlongs before you run into the bend. I, I, I let her relax, really, and get into her own rhythm and then managed to kind of dictate and get a breather. And uh, she pricked her ears. Um, so I did end up having a soft lead. I think if they'd have come to me a bit earlier, things might have been a bit different. But, um, no, I think she's beaten some some proven horses you know um a few from germany and france but um i i thought it was quite a good performance um it was a race worth a lot of money as well Hundred and fifty-six thousand sterling to the winner how did the how did the ride come about um uh, well john mccormick contacted my agent and um obviously the filly was sold um to mr katsumi yoshida um who i've ridden for obviously in japan and um I rode the Platinum Queen last week and I've ridden Floaters before. So um, it was, you know, a, 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 an offer that I wasn't going to turn down. And is that an association that, that is a, a formal one almost? Do you Have you sort of got an agreement with Mr Yoshida that you, you can ride when, when you can? No, nothing like that at all. I wouldn't mind one, but no, nothing like that. Um, no, it's just, I don't really know. I, I, I'd say a few other people probably got asked, like Frankie and so-and-so, but um, weren't available, so... I, I, I took the ride. Holly, last two weeks you've been busy. You've had 60-odd rides, over 25 different trainers wanting to use your services. 
how are you sort of feeling in yourself now? Obviously, this has been a sort of comeback period from that nasty injury in the in the spring. Yeah, I'm feeling good, you know, 100% now physically, which is great. Um, bit of, you know, frustrating early on um, in the season, but it's like that, isn't it? Um, but thankfully, the, the winners are coming and getting plenty of support and my boss's horses are running really well. So it's great that I'm getting so much support from a load of different trainers. And obviously, in addition to, to Archie Watson, the trainer who supports you, the most you've you've got the support of Imad Al Sagar, the owner of Nashua. She made her debut for the season in France the other day, finishing fourth in the Prix Corridor. What's the what's the next step with her? Yeah, um, you might have seen she. I think the plan is the Pretty Polly, all being well. I haven't sat on her obviously since France. Um, it was only two weeks ago, but uh, hopefully she'll she'll strip a bit fitter, and it looks like a hopefully a good opportunity. She'll um, skip Ascot and go straight to the colour. And as far as you're concerned, what do you know of what you're going to be riding at Ascot next week? Um, we've got some nice two-year-olds going to war. We've got uh, Army Ethos. Um, I'm really looking forward to riding him in the Coventry. Yeah, I'm one up at air, but he's a horse that looks to have plenty of potential, hopefully. And uh, is, is Brad still going to Ascot? Yeah, he'll, um, I, he, I think he's going to um, step down and trip to five funnels to the King's stand. So um, his last two runs have suggested that he probably does need to step back and trip now, um, but he's in he's in fine fettle. I sat on him last week, um, so you know we we know he's a good horse. It's it's just um, having things fall right for him, really. That was Holly Doyle, who tasted success in Italy yesterday on Shavasana. I've become used, Dave Yates, to the prize money in Italy being so bad that I was quite surprised when I saw it was over 150 grand sterling to the winner of a of what is a European Group Two. So a nice prize for. For Holly, for the Botties, for uh, Mr. Yoshida, for whom, as she was saying, she's ridden Flotus and and uh, the Platinum Queen. So a nice little association building up potentially. And uh, I'd love to see Holly have a couple of winners at, at Royal Ascot because, you know, she's she's ridden, as I said, for over 25 trainers in the last two weeks. I think only four or five of her 60-odd mounts have been favourites. And... Uh, she she rode the first part of the season coming back for an injury. Yeah, I, I suppose it's our way in the in the well the racing media and the the media generally uh, that uh, we we tend to deal in triumph or disaster and we don't really tend to uh, have in, in inhabit the the grey lands in between. Any jockey is best judged by their client list, and twenty five trainers clamouring for her services can't all be wrong. She's had that troublesome elbow injury that she sustained at Wolverhampton in February. That meant uh, a belated and slow start to the season. Um, The thing that Holly is missing at the moment, I think, is just a star name. She had that over the last couple of seasons with Nashua. This could be uh, a tie-up that might yield the next horse that that gives her group race success on top of the uh, the group two in the uh, Italian Oaks yesterday. So uh, I won't be going into print to write her off. I think that she's uh, this time last year she was very much a force in the very top bracket of flat racing in Britain, and for my money, she remains so. All right, let's reflect on the Belmont Stakes uh, Saturday night. Arcangelo was the winner, providing uh, Jenna Antonucci. A victory in the race. She became the first woman in history to win a, a triple crown race. As a trainer, Javier Castellano added a first Belmont Stakes to his first Kentucky Derby on Mage just five weeks ago. A spectacular result for all concerned. And I think there was a widespread feeling that it was a good result 
for the sport. Uh, Michelle, you was on duty as part of the Fox uh, host broadcast team. Uh, Michelle, what was the general feeling about about the Belmont Stakes, both in terms of the calibre of the winner and, and the calibre of the story? I think that the whole story between Jenna and Javier were both so intriguing to people that it really lent a, a team spirit behind that horse. I mean, people were cheering him on in the paddock. We had Jenna Antonucci on the set, just so gracious and well-spoken and had a really great story, not only about her, about this horse. I mean, he was a $35,000 yearling purchase. They were very patient with him to get him to the races. And look, they got him to peak on a huge day. Um, I think that he was the right feel-good story to have a successful Belmont. And, you know, he it wasn't like he was a crazy out-of-the-clouds horse. He had some buzz behind him. He'd been training really well. And I doubly love the story with Javi, right? He was waiting for his derby. He got that. And then to come and think that you're going to win the Belmont, a completely different horse, I just thought it was amazing. I had spoken with him earlier on in the day and, and afterwards, he was nearly speechless. Given the challenging year the sport has had, to what extent do you think a trainer who is considered a hands-on horsewoman gives her horses an awful lot of individual attention, picked a horse up for $35,000, was really campaigning him towards a four-year-old career, and this has really just happened through a combination of you know great patience and great stockmanship. To what extent do you think that is what the sport needed? I mean, I think that that's always important to emphasize in our sport, right? The the fact that you don't have to be the richest or the most successful or the super trainer to be able to win on racing's biggest days. Anytime someone that's a little less known or a little bit of an underdog wins, and it's not a shocker, I think that that's a positive. You know, sometimes those horses win and they're 100 to 1 and you're just like, well, you got lucky on this kind of day. Seeing how this horse was campaigned, coming into this spot, hearing from his connections multiple times in the lead up, it was like the Cinderella story that got the prince at the end. So I think it was important. It was fantastic, but it was real. It wasn't just one of those shocking, crazy, you know, I never could have seen this type upsets. I feel like that does less for the sport than something like this that you can really see being spun into this beautiful story at the end. It's all right. You can say the words rich strike. I don't mind. We're not sensitive here. I, I, I hear what you're saying because this horse has got a pedigree. He's by, <laughs> he's by Arrogate out of a Tappet mare. The fact that he costs little is to do with other people's shortcomings at the sale. The, the page is there. He's now got you know, high-level, elite-level performance. What do you think of the race as a whole? I mean, are these three-year-olds just slugs in behind him or are we looking at a couple of horses that can continue to improve and move forward we know that Forte is a good horse, right? I think that this race was a real feat for Todd Pletcher. He got him ready to go off a 10 week app in this and to me he ran very similarly from the Florida Derby to this he ran kind of erratic and then closed with an absolute flourish you couldn't have paid me to guess that a son of violence was going to be able to get the 12 furlongs off the kind of layoff that he did so we know he's quality right that's a that's a for sure I think National Treasure just kind of tapped out going too quick and too far not that he's a bad horse but he just maybe needs a little bit less distance I think Angel of Empire is still okay um, I've never been the biggest tap a Trice fan. I think some of that field we probably won't hear too much from unless we're talking about some of the minor races. I think the big key is that you have to think about the race that he ran. And to me, he ran a really good race, right? He was up inside. He was patient. He made uh, the, you know, he got close to the front and then he made the lead. Like he looked so strong and confident the whole time. 
judging him off his race, he was ready to win. This wasn't a situation where he was in front and everyone got leg weary and no one could catch him. He made an early move, got in front, and they were trying to catch him, and he was still continuing on at the end. you got to love a horse that can run so well and so strong early and finish like he did. I mean, if all goes to plan, I guess you might see him land up in the Breeders' Cup Classic at the end of the year. If he does, though... I mean, let's get through the Traverse first. <laughs> yeah, sure. But you you know that if, if he wins one of those big full prizes, that that's the way that the sport naturally, naturally leads him. And let's face it, Michelle, it's not leading many horses to it at the moment because we, yeah. we've got a dearth of older horses. The three-year-olds behind yesterday's winner look a bit opaque we don't know when major's going to come back so um what about cody's wish he was brilliant in the met mile wheeling oh five God, wide going Nick, going up in so distance amazing i hate to, i hate to interrupt you but that to me was one of the best performances we've seen all year from any horse he is by far and away the best older horse we have right now i don't know how you can't love him just from his story um you know, even if he has some big name connections behind it, I think Bill Mott has just campaigned him so beautifully. Look at the job Bill Mott's done, but not only him, but Elite Power. I mean, they're winning six and seven stakes in a row. That's five grade ones in a row. That it's, you know, he's taken um, Elite Power over to Saudi and won, and then come back and won off of the return. He's just doing such a tremendous job, and Cody's wish is still like a fan favorite, right? We all love the story of of him and and Cody Dorman and the relationship that they have, but watching Cody on the track is something else. He is just phenomenal. The The ride that he got yesterday and the way he finished coming around those horses and just pulling away, was he beating anything? Nah, not really. I mean, like, do we think Dr. Scheibel really wanted to go a mile? Probably not. Uh, I'm not sure what Hoist the Gold was doing so far out in front. I mean, there were certainly some questionable situations in there. And Slow Dan Andy ran third to him before. So he wasn't beating great horses, but the way he did it was breathtaking. And it gave me goosebumps to watch him finish. It gave me goosebumps to watch him come back in. I 1,000% hope that they at least give him the opportunity to stretch out, I did hear that the Whitney is um, something they're going to be pointing to at Saratoga. That's a mile and an eighth. So that's kind of a really great stepping stone to see how much further he wants to go. It would certainly benefit us and our sport if he could come on and be the classic horse we're all waiting for, right? Right. Michelle Yu, who was part of the Fox Sports broadcast on Saturday from Belmont Park and had hot-footed it back to Santa Anita by the time we caught up. Sunday night. Right, David Yates, another man who will be satisfied with the results at Belmont Park was Charlie Appleby for although he didn't win a grade one, he took the grade two Belmont Gold Cup with Siskini impressively on Friday and then he had the second in the prestigious grade one Manhattan by a very impressive horse trained by Todd Pletcher called up to the mark but Appleby will be pleased. He'll also be pleased that he had winners domestically over the weekend and we talked about the stable form a little at the back end of last week. But there's some big, big prizes ahead for Godolphin at Royal Ascot. Ad AR is in that loaded Prince of Wales, as we were touching on at the beginning of the programme. And Charlie Appleby has just confirmed to me this morning that it is the plan for Native Trail, last year's Irish 2000 Guineas winner, to take on Modern Games, last year's Breeders' Cup mile winner, the previous year's Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf winner, winner of the Lockin Stakes so impressively, now a five-time scorer at the top level so a lot to play for and lots of um, anxiety I would imagine eased over the over the weekend 
I'm sure it'd have been mightily relieved. Um, you mentioned between you, I think you and Rishi forecast that you know the, the the corner to be turned wasn't too far away. But this must have been a a, a rare and particularly worrying couple of weeks for the stable, mustn't it? I mean, their their, their last winner before this weekend was Cinderella's Dream at Lingfield on the 30th of May. I don't wish to denigrate Epsom. I would never do that. But Royal Ascot is is the the real focal point for trainers like Charlie Appleby, isn't it? That you've got five days uh, of races where you need to be uh, front and centre. And as you say, with the likes of Adiar, Modern Games, Native Trail, these are all big name horses. Um, so to be among the winners, what, 10, 11 days before the meeting starts, that will certainly have been a, a, a source of comfort to him, but he'll be keen to have a few more, I'm sure, over the next week to make sure that uh, that corner has been well and truly turned before Royal Ascot begins tomorrow week. Uh, Dave, the latest on the bubbling story that is the Professional Jockeys Association, which we've chronicled quite extensively on this podcast. A couple of appointments over the weekend, certainly one of which won't come as a surprise to anybody. No, that's right. Um, Nick Attenborough, we know, uh, became the chairman of the, the PJA last week. And a, a couple of um, familiar names join on a consult consultancy basis. Uh, one is Peter Burrell, uh, well known, of course, for uh, his partnership with Frankie Dettori over the decades, and Paul Struthers, uh, who was the chief executive of the PJA. Uh, he resigned in the wake of the Bryony Frost, Robbie Dunn bullying case. But uh, during the last few weeks and months with uh, increasing disquiet in the PJA, I think that it's it's often been seen that Paul Struthers is the, the man who can ride back to the rescue. Um, whether he whether this is uh, a prelude to uh, a, a, a bigger role, perhaps returning to his former role in the PJA, or whether it's really there just to get the troops on, shy, uh, on side and raise morale, we'll have to see. But it's not entirely surprising that amid all the uh, fairly vocal unrest that there's been in recent times, that the name Paul Struthers should return to the Pro Professional Jockeys Association. And Peter Burrell, agent of Frankie Dettori, again, who you've heard on this podcast a few times, he's going to be consulting on a commercial basis. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, as I said, we we, we know uh, Peter Burrell largely through Frankie Dettori. Uh, there have been tie-ups in the past with Vinnie Jones, probably Ronnie Wood as well. Um, yeah, that brings so, it up. So, yeah, be interesting to see uh, what he can do for the PGA. But um, I think that the... Uh, for, for for the moment, before we get into the, the nitty-gritty of what they're going to do, I just think these are probably uh, two quite savvy political uh, announcements, which, at least in the short term, can, uh, can, can do something with regard to returning a, a bit of feel-good for an organisation for whom uh, good news has been pretty hard to come by over the last few weeks and months. Huge day, of course, next Tuesday with the Group 1 races filling the first part of the card at Royal Ascot. One of the most exciting always is the King Stand Stakes. It, it breaks apart the meeting, as we saw last year, with Nature Strip. Quite an open look to it this year. Highfield Princess is the favourite. Aussie, Philly, Cool and Gatta, quite prominent in the market. Look down a couple of pegs and you'll see a sprinter who improved leaps and bounds last year. Manakan, trained by John Ryan, who's with me now. Uh, John, you've, you've had the run to get you ready at, at Newmarket on soft ground. How's he, how's he moved forward from that? 
He's well. He's come come forward leaps and bounds really from there. We've um, we've had him on the grass a couple of times, as you know, he's well documented. He, he likes faster ground, um, and he's um, he's done a couple of very nice pieces of work. Um, we think he's gone. We've gone to the place he needs to be. I think um, possibly we will stay off the grass probably now until Ascot because of the obvious reason it's it's getting very firm and you don't want to jar a horse up um, especially with you know with, with only a week away you know but um, no I think I've been very happy with all his work he did a very nice piece on on um, on Saturday morning and um, I think that's probably put him right I think Frankie will probably come and sit on him midweek um, just to give him a blow before Ascot and um, and hopefully that's us done uh, he's had three runs at Ascot. He ran a terrific race uh, in the Palace of Holyrood House. That was the first time he really put up a performance of, of staked quality last year. And then he won his two races at Ascot in August uh, and October in spite of softish ground the, the final time. In your opinion, how much has he improved from last season to this? I think, I, I think like, like most sprinters do, I think he's just matured and strengthened up. I mean, physically, he's a lot, a lot stronger. Um, he's a lot more robust. You can see, you know, the the, the quarters on him um, are, are bigger and stronger. His neck, obviously, is deeper. He's um, as as most sort of colts going forward to becoming um, stallions, as it were, as as age group says that they they start to put the bulk on and and. But he stayed very well balanced with it. He stayed level all the way, which is um, has, has been good for us because we haven't had to um, ease back on his work, you know. And, and you mentioned yeah, he's a colt, he's an entire, he's owned by Newsels Park Stud as well, and he's by Exceed and Excel. So he has a, a pretty decent sprinter's pedigree. Progeny of Exceed and Excel go very well at Ascot. To what extent is that stallion career in your mind as you build and curate his career? I think, well, I think when you've got a horse of that level, you obviously, you have to, um, you have to sort of bear that in mind, especially when you're training for um, uh, somebody like Graham Smith Bunnell, who, who is in, has invested in Newsels Park and wants to take it forward with fresh stallions and, you know, and, and make the stud a, a bigger um, project. And, uh, you know, so he's a, a very, as you just mentioned, he's, he'd be one of the few exceeding excels um, around um, we're not going to get any more and he's taken himself to a very uh, high level so um, let's keep our fingers crossed really first um, because it would very nice be very nice to have a, a group one on your, on your on your name it certainly would if it's not next week in the King's Stand where might it be through the rest of the season do you see him as an out and out five furlong horse um, I do um, at the moment because I think that's his speciality I think he's he's um, he's shown that he has an amazing turn of foot, and he has that has that high cruising speed that he can travel over those sprints. But he has raced against good quality horses over six as well, and and he has raced as you as you just um, commented on ground that didn't suit over five. So I would suggest he might. He might stretch again. I think um, that discussion, the discussion was get to get here so far. Um, we all know which other races are open to the to the sprinters, but we will deal with that. I think as as and when it comes. John, thanks so much for talking to me. Good luck next week. No problem. Thanks for your time. Bye bye. All right. Thanks to all my guests today. David Yates is still with me, and he has a winner for you.
We'll go to the 4.30 at Lingfield, Nick, and number two, King of Speed. Uh, back to winning form on soft ground at Leicester in last month, but has form on quicker terrain, and I hope can follow up here for Mark Lofnane and rising star son, Billy, who still claims that £3. 4.30 race at Lingfield Park, selection number two, King of Speed. David, thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. If you do enjoy this podcast, please leave us a rating uh, and or a review wherever you consume your pods. And uh, that helps us out an enormous amount. That was Monday, June the 12th. We will see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.